Hey, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Listen, it's our, it's our pleasure to have you guys here. To, we're the ones that are honored uh, to have you here. And that round of applause will just go straight back through those doors to the, that team of uh, chefs and nutritionists and the like that do this. Really, most every Wednesday night, this place is filled up with Hillcrest people enjoying the same kind of food. We get it every week, fellas. And uh, we're very grateful for that. Even more grateful to have you guys here. Welcome uh, to Hillcrest and welcome to Pensacola. Coach was telling me that many of you guys are not necessarily all Tennessee recruits. Nashville, Tennessee is my hometown. So when I heard Carson Newman was coming, I was all about it. In fact, one of our closest friends, she was in our wedding, one of my wife's bridesmaids, graduated from Carson Newman. Can I have an amen tonight? So we know people. I went to high school with people that um, gravitated over toward Carson Newman, been very familiar with your school. I was a good friend with someone back in the 90s that used to work in the admission department there. So we've been very aware of your school and its wonderful Christian legacy through the years and of uh, the greatness that your teams have brought to the football field for many years. So congratulations to all of y'all on past championships and we wish you nothing but a wonderful night uh, tomorrow night. Now, here's the deal. UWF is literally right down the street here. So we got to live with them. And so we just, what we're going to do tonight is, but they ain't here tonight. Y'all are here tonight. And so we're going to pray, pray blessings on y'all tonight. And then we're going to return the favor to them and, and hopefully uh, a subsequent week. Hey, can I just share one verse of scripture with you tonight? Because I know everybody's on a tight schedule and you got places to go. But I want to share with you just one verse of Scripture that has been uh, among, uh, as far as Scriptures are concerned, one of the most important guiding Scriptures of my life. I call this kind of the North Star, one of them anyway. And it has to do with the heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. A lot of times when I send people notes, like a lot of people do, I'll sign my name and then I'll write a scripture underneath it. You've probably received notes from somebody and they put a scripture for John 3.16, something. I always put Proverbs 4.23. Because we live in a world that's pretty much dominated by money and the things money can buy. That's what everybody's pushed toward. At the expense of character. Do I need to remind everybody tonight, character still matters to God. It matters to God hugely. And this is why the Bible says this amazing phrase, it begins with the phrase, above all else. When Solomon is writing the Proverbs, he's writing them as a set of guidelines for his boys. He's trying to give them wisdom and insight so that they would understand how to make wise decisions in the will of God. And he realized that he was known for great wisdom, but he didn't always live wisely, did he? I mean, the man had 300 wives, not very wise. And so he wanted his boys to make even better decisions than he did. So he writes the book of Proverbs. And as he writes them, he says, above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. It affects everything you do. The heart is used over 900 times in the Bible, most of the time having nothing to do with the organ that pumps your blood. 
The heart is a metaphor. When the Bible talks about your heart from a spiritual point of view, it's talking about you, the real you. Not the you that people see on the outside, but the you that God knows. Because God sees beyond the surface of flesh and blood. It's the central guiding feature of your life. What the physical organ of the heart is to the human body. Your spiritual heart is to you. And it guides everything that you do. The Bible says, for example, the heart determines what you say. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when somebody is using encouraging words, positive words, uplifting words, that helps me to understand they've got a heart that's majoring and focusing on the right things. When somebody, every word is negative, every word is caustic, every word is bitter, you know what I can assume? That person's got a bitter heart. They got junk on the inside that's affecting stuff on the outside. The heart affects what you say. The heart affects how you act and how you live. This is why the Bible says to focus on good things, wholesome things. Paul will write to the Philippians and say, whatsoever is good and whatsoever is pure and whatsoever is lovely, let your mind dwell on these things. Why? Because whatever it is you focus on is going to affect your heart. And what's in your heart is going to affect your responses to life. How you respond to adversity, how you respond to relationships, how you respond to life when you lose, how you respond when things don't always go your way. And what is it that we're supposed to do with our heart? Well, the Bible says, above all else, what? Guard your heart. This is a word to the offensive lineman in the house tonight. Because even more important than guarding the quarterback, the Bible says guarding your heart. Stand guard over it. Watch it. Tend it. Protect it. Do whatever it takes to make sure that you're cultivating a heart that's pleasing to the Lord. We live in a, a, a world where the security business is booming. I mean, insurance, we protect our houses with insurance. We protect our cars with insurance. We insure our lives against catastrophe. Cybersecurity is a really big deal today. And so we pay guys by the thousands of dollars to protect our computer systems and the data that are on our databases. They say that the three most secure places in the United States of America today are Air Force One. Have you all ever seen the movie with Harrison Ford? That ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to hijack Air Force One. It's one of the most secure places on the planet. The other is the United States War Room. It's under 600 yards of solid rock in the state of Colorado. But you know where the most secure place is in the United States? Fort Knox, Kentucky. And what's housed at Fort Knox? Oh, man, the gold supply of the United States, something like eight or $900 billion of gold is within several layers of security that nobody in the history of the world will ever be able to break in. We protect what's important to us, except most of the time the most valuable thing, which is your heart. We're loose with it. And the Bible says that's never wise for somebody that would live to please an audience of one, namely the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand guard over it. 
There's a great picture in Acts chapter 12 where the apostle Peter's been thrown in jail. And he was thrown in jail for the wickedness of street preaching. He's preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. And the religious leaders of the day had just gotten tired of it, so they threw him in the Fortress Antonia prison right in the heart of Jerusalem, in the lowest part. And the Bible says there in Acts 12 that Peter was guarded round the clock by four squads of four soldiers each. So that meant every six hours they would rotate four guards in and out of that prison cell. He'd have two of them chained to him, and he would have another two chained at the door. I don't know about, man, it's a preacher. It's not a terrorist. I mean, so it seemed like overkill to me. And he still got out. And those guards would have been in huge trouble because of that. There's another picture in Acts 16 where a Philippian jailer at, at the end of an earthquake where he thought all the prisoners were going to escape was about to take his own life before the apostle Paul got a hold of him and led him to Jesus. He was going to take his own life because he knew he was responsible for those prisoners. And if he let them escape, he was going to have to pay with his life. So he was just going to go ahead and take it. So this is the emphasis. When you were charged with guarding something, life and death was on the line. And I think it'd do us all good to recognize the urgency of protecting the most precious commodity that God gives you, and that is the real you. Who you are in a place where only God can see it. And it's so very important. You say, well, how do I do that? I don't know how to guard my heart. Well, you do two things. The first is you live in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ every day of your life. It's not just about an hour in church on Sunday, fellas. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, that word abide means to take up residence. If I dwell in Jesus and Jesus dwells in me in an everyday relationship, Jesus says, you will bear much fruit. And then he says this, outrageous, for apart from me, you can do nothing. So you have to live in an abiding relationship with Jesus. It's an everyday relationship. It's not just one day a week. It's not just an hour a week. It's every day. That's the first way you guard your heart. The second also begins with A, not only abide in Christ, but be accountable to others. Life's too short to be trying to do it on your own, and you don't have what it takes to do it on your own. Y'all are here tonight as a team. I was taught when I played, I didn't play football, but I played baseball 16 years of my life. And I was always taught there is no I in team. It's a platitude, but it's true. We're about each other, and we need each other. We have to depend on each other, and that's true in the family of God as well. God didn't create us to try to do spiritual things all by ourselves. This is why we have the church. God designs us to live in community with one another. And I'm just telling you, you're never going to guard your heart effectively if you try to do it yourself. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I'm telling you, we need each other in the family of God. And we need to not be afraid to speak truth to a fellow brother who's kind of walking away from the clear teaching of the word. That's real love and that's a real friend. 
So don't be afraid to speak truth. There's growth and accountability. And when there is no accountability one to another, you're not really going to grow. You'll always be shallow with your life. The consequences of failing to do that are big. Samson failed to guard his heart and it cost him his strength. David failed to guard his heart and it cost him his family. Peter failed to guard his heart and it cost him his dignity. He denied Christ three times. Ananias failed to guard his heart and it cost him his life. And this is why this becomes priority one for anybody who would follow Jesus. Above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Can I say it again? Character still matters to God. And you want to guard your heart because I'm telling you, I've learned it in my own life. We're all just one step short of stupid. Amen. Just one step short of stupid. Warren Buffett, the great financier, said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to lose it. And this is why this becomes a North Star for me and for you. Priority one, above all else, guard your heart for it affects everything you do. This is God's word and let all who agree with it say amen.